Welcome back to the Girls Talk Ag podcast, plowing through the manure online. Um, this week, we're going to kind of be serious, maybe, as serious as we can be, um, because it is a pretty heavy topic that we're going to kind of discuss, and it's been coming about more and more on social media, and, and I, I really like this trend. I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, we're hot mess moms in ag, right, girls? Because Jen and Karen are here with me. I forgot to introduce them because I suck. <laughs> but they're here because we're a package deal. But, you know, we've we've embraced the hot mess mom's role. Like we're we are definitely not Susie homemakers in any way, shape, or form. Um, nor will we probably ever be, right, guys? I mean Hell no. I'm speaking. Maybe I'm speaking for myself. I don't even know what it means. <laughs> yeah, I am a lost damn cause. So you know, but we've embraced that. But the one thing that I I don't think you know, folks are are I think we're still kind of scared to to embrace in a lot of ways. And I'm starting to see that tide change a little bit. And I think it's a good thing. Is mental health issues that we see arise not only in agriculture. You know, we are going to talk a lot about you know what it's like to be in agriculture or the experiences that we have with folks in agriculture dealing with mental health things. But just overall, I mean, it's it's always been kind of a quiet um, thing where you you tend to suffer in silence. And well, I think part of the deal is is we talk about it in ag us right now because that's what we know, right? I mean, we're not. Yeah. We're not denying yeah. that other industries don't have high stress jobs, that this isn't a you know problem, this doesn't happen everywhere, but we know ag. Well Yeah. We talk We know motherhood. Yes. Yeah. And what comes with it, because I'm still out of whack. I don't know. Tiny tornadoes in my kitchen. Yes. Yeah. Maybe this will be this way forever. I'm not sure. But yeah, I'm I mean, we pretty sure it'll be that way forever. I mean, is my, it forever now? My well, youngest is 14. And by the time you get through the whole motherhood thing and getting through giving birth, then they're older and you have those issues. And then you have to go through the whole really hot mess thing with uh, menopause. So it's all there. <laughs> You're screwed. You're screwed for life. Just, You're screwed. So much fun. It's just so much fun. But but yeah, so we want to, you know, we want to focus on what we know, which is experiences in agriculture, but we can focus on experiences everywhere because when it comes down to it, though we are in somewhat of a niche or niche, depending on how pretentious you want to be, um, <laughs> we are in a niche sort of of marketplace. And, and so we, and we have um, kind of unique to ourselves or unique to a business owner's struggles in a lot of ways too. Um, you know, for instance, for us, and, and this isn't just based on hot, hot mess mom side of things, but in Michigan, I've, I've had three different customers that we've lost in the past year to suicide, uh, because of, of issues we find out later on, you know, money, money issues had mounted up and things like that. And it, it just breaks my heart to think of these families that are suffering because the, the person in question, felt like there was nowhere to turn. Um, and so our, our big thing in this conversation today that we want to get down to is that there's always somewhere to turn. Um, and there's always, uh, you know, a, a direction that you can head and, and there's always light at the end of the tunnel, even and though none of us have our together. Exactly. But We're don't all... head towards the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Not that light. It's a different right. light. It's a, it's, it's a, a good light. light. Not, right. you know, that's the light. just like, buying the farm you know like when you buy the farm we're not talking you know you know what right. i'm saying so, yeah yeah so yeah and and yeah just there is there is it's always darkest before dawn you know whatever cliche you want to use but so we want to chat about things and uh jen you know i'd like you to start start first um because we we discussed prior to to getting going here that chris is not in fact giving you a placebo uh, that Pez helps, but it's not the sugar pills that you're taking. And tell, go ahead and tell your story on uh, on your experiences and and what you do to to help. <laughs> so you might say I have slight anger issues. I was not a pleasant teenager um, <laughs> at all. I mean, normal teenage girl stuff, yes. And then it, it yeah, I just was not. But um, once I got married, um, Chris was like. We had, we had our first kid, and Chris was like, yeah, you know, we really ought to look into something. And I'm like, why? Why do I need something? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, okay. How does Chris still have a head? Right, yeah. 
So, so anyway, long story short, I'm on Prozac, have been for, gosh, 18 years at least. Um, that stuff got a bad rap early on. Um, it's good, man. Um, <laughs> it works. Now, I'm not going to tell you it works for everybody who has whatever it is I have. I don't even know. I've, I don't even know if I have something that has a word. Anger issues. I don't know. Uh, You're just I, mad. I don't like people. I don't know. Anyway, I I take it and it works. It makes me a happy person. It makes me easier to be around. It does really make me easier to be around. I know that that doesn't like, it makes the stress a lot easier to handle. It makes the kids a lot easier to handle. Um, it makes Chris a lot easier to handle. And, and then in reverse, it makes me a much happier person for them to be around. So yeah. basically you're saying that you were fine until you married Chris and now you have <laughs> need medication? Maybe a little bit, yeah. No, Sorry, actually, Chris. yeah, no. In there. It was. It was <laughs> just right there. Have you yeah. met Chris? <laughs> we love Chris, but you know, I couldn't honestly, be married to him. God love him. He is the most patient, one of the <laughs> most patient people in the world. Um, and so he can tolerate me off of Prozac. Yeah. Then, God, yeah, we're going on 25 years, so. Ooh, congrats yeah. to you. I know, I mean, right? Prozac really is something. You know, it's an SSRI. It's a it's a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. That's an SSRI. and and Oh, my gosh, I'm laughing because Angie totally knows her drugs. I do. I know, right? <laughs> well, I minored in psychology, okay? Oh, okay? So I'm digging back some of this. I paid a lot of money in student loans, and I don't really use it all that much, but it is one thing that I remember is the SSRI discussion. And so your brain chemistry, it's just all about, you know, what's it going is. on in your brain. It's a true physical. It is fixer. a true. And I think that's, I think that's the key to this is, is, you know, people always say, Oh, you're on Prozac. And I'm like, hell yeah, I am. You have no clue what kind of a, you think I'm a on Prozac. Think about what yeah. I'd be like off. Um, I can only imagine. But it, but it is a true you know, it, it's not, it's not in my head. It's not, it's a true chemical, you yes. know, imbalance in your body. And you know what, if you can fix that, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a chemical. It's a, it's an actual thing in your brain and there's nothing to apologize for no, body. And, and I mean, yeah, you can, it, there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing anybody no. can do about it. No. And I just thank God every day there's something that there's medicine that can, that can help that. And you'll have the person who's never experienced it before say, well, have you tried to take a walk? You know, when I feel down, if have I walk tried, a couple miles. Yeah. Have you, know, you tried giving up potatoes? Because, you know, yeah. maybe if you give up potatoes. Gluten. Have you thought right. about the fact that you live on the farm and ingest glyphosate? Because you don't eat organic. Yeah. I know, right? Oh, God. Yeah. I had a lady at Subway tell me yesterday because she asked, I ordered a sandwich for Colton, which they wouldn't let me order tuna fish for him, which kind of scares me. Like, you know, I'm his mom. I give him tuna fish at home. Like, okay. Oh, they wouldn't. That's what I thought kind of freaked me out a little bit, which I would never eat Subway's tuna fish anyway. So I guess it's better I didn't give it to my kid. But anyway, <laughs> you get to the end of the thing and they're like, do you want milk or juice? And I'm like, go ahead and give me uh, juice. Wait, no, milk. Because I'm thinking to myself, he's never had juice. I kind of like to avoid the sugary drink thing. And she's like, oh, it's okay. It's organic. That means it's healthier. Oh, my God. See? I, I'm pretty sure I left half of my tongue laying on the subway counter because I'm just like, I'm not going to. Nope. Not my circus. Not my monkeys. I'm going to back away very slowly. I'm not going to educate the subway lady on all things organic. Yeah. But, you know, like, I was just like, no, that. No, that's not what it, it still like has sugar. English, I think. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess so. And so, but, but back to the, the conversation. Yeah, you know, eating organic or getting fresh air is not going to fix brain chemistry. And it's, that's it's the not. Thing. Does it help? Well, it helps every human. Who doesn't? Oh, yeah. I mean, who doesn't? Not eating organic, benefit. but getting out and right. getting fresh air. Who doesn't yeah. benefit from fresh air? But is it going to fix something that, that, I have absolutely no control over. No, it's it's quite honestly not going to. And, you know, people say, oh, so, you know, you take Prozac and, and you tell people. I'm like, hell yeah, because if somebody out there says, man, I wish, you know, 
I didn't have to be ashamed or I wish there was something I could do, go for it. Go, go talk to your doctor because for me it works and most likely there's something out there that will work. Yeah. What's the worst that happens? You discover that it, it makes you feel better or you at least open the conversation you, and try to work to find something that does. That does. And I think that's the key. You know, I, I'm going to say that I got really lucky that Prozac works for me and that I didn't have to try like 14 different drugs to find something mm-hmm. uh, because that is going to happen to people. And I, and I can only imagine what that feels like to be willing to accept this help that, you know, a lot of people may not want to. And then, you know, try four different drugs before you find something because you don't, you don't take these and feel, feel that effect overnight. I mean, no, you have to to be on Prozac for a good month for, and that's why is, is that the serotonin, the SSRI thing is it's not a, an immediate thing because it has to change your brain chemistry over that, that time. And so, you know, so, so starting a drug and having to wait a month, to figure yeah. out if it's going to work. I mean, that could be hard. It could, you know, be really hard on someone who's already having a hard time. But I'm saying stick with it because there is something that works and and um, it's worth it. You know, I have people all the time that I meet that I'd, I'd like to give, you know how you give your dogs medicine and a spoonful of uh, right. peanut butter? <laughs> applesauce. Yeah, yeah applesauce. The baby. They're in their bottom. There are some people I encounter that I wish I carried around a spoonful of peanut butter with a little Prozac pill stuffed in it. <laughs> Something automatically. What I got? Would you like yeah. a bite of peanut butter? I guess I could yeah. pop them in uh, Reese's peanut butter cups or something. I don't know. I, Reese's peanut butter cups just make me feel better. Karen, now yes. you struggled in silence with some real big, major postpartum issues. I mean, first of all, you struggled through your pregnancies. Like, I remember on, uh, not say you, like, struggled mentally through your pregnancy, but you struggled with health. I mean, you were throwing up more than you weren't when you were pregnant, right. which that in and of itself is taxing mentally. Yeah, you would have thought that all the throwing up I did in college would prepare me for this, but it didn't. No, um, there's no way. Oh, Yeah, I threw up. I, it started two weeks into my pregnancy, and I threw up in the Oh, my God. Room. Two weeks? Oh, my God. It started two weeks in, and then I threw up at least three to five times a day. And it wasn't – I didn't eat that much. So a lot of it – I mean, and it's harder to, you know, dry heave or to, you know, just bring up stomach liquid, I guess you'd call it. Acid. Oh, I hate throwing up stomach acid. I got to the point where I – my dentist actually gave me special toothpaste because I was worried about the enamel in my teeth. But – Anyway, so yeah, I had a very traumatic first pregnancy, and it just I spent most of the time on the couch and sleeping. Luckily, the dog and I did most of that. And with my work schedule being, you know, working from home, that was a little bit easier, too. Um, and then to follow that up, I had a pretty horrific birth experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, if you ever need to scare your teenage daughters, just give them my phone number because I could uh, stop them from having children until they're at least 35 with some stories. So. Ugh. So yeah, and I wasn't prepared for that, and um, I guess I didn't, I ended up with an emergency C-section, and I was not medicated enough, so I felt all of the cutting, and that's that's pretty traumatic in itself. Um, I just kept thinking in my head, oh my god, I saw this once on Dateline. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who don't know, everything's Dateline for Karen, she loves it, and... Every time we go anywhere, we're going to get kidnapped by someone that she saw on Dateline. So she can at least solve any of our crimes. So, yeah. Um, now I just lost my train of thought thinking about Dateline. But. Right. That's why. Um, so I had, to, I had a pretty hard recovery after my emergency C-section. And I missed the first 22 minutes of my daughter's life because at, they couldn't knock me out until they cut the cord. So as soon as they cut the cord, I missed the first 22 minutes of her life, which is, I don't know, kind of sad. But um, that and the fact that my husband thought maybe I was dead because I finally stopped yelling, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway. And so it took me a good three weeks before I could even leave the house by myself. Um, I ended up asking for drugs for a longer amount of time. And they're like, are you sure? And I was like... Yeah, I, I can't move, and so that was pretty traumatic. But luckily, after that, she was a really good baby. She would sleep from, 
you know, 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. She slept seven hours the second day home from the hospital. Um, So that was good as far as that. So she was a horrible pregnancy, but a good baby. Her sister was an okay pregnancy, but a horrible baby. (laughs) Yeah, right. So I had my second one 19 months after my first one. Um, Oh, my God. That's so I had two under two, which, you know, is enough to make anyone insane. So with my second one, she chose not to sleep. She would wake up six to eight times a night for the first 14 and a half months of her life. So I don't really remember much of that, but um, my husband assures me that I had some issues going on then. Um, The thing was, for me, you know, they always ask you in the doctor's office and in the pediatrician's office, and you have to fill out all these forms and mark all these, you know, do you feel about this, this, and this? And I marked them all honestly, and I talked to my doctor, and I just said, you know, I'm really tired. And she's like, well, you have two kids under the age of two. You're going to be tired. Right. But I just don't so think push she it asked off. me. Yeah. Right. And so, but even looking at the symptoms, like I didn't feel any of the things that, you know, normally people associate with postpartum. Um, you know, I didn't feel guilty. I didn't, I mean, I bonded with my baby. You know, I didn't like <laughs> want to leave them at, you know, the nearest doorstep kind of thing. I didn't feel any of those things. Um, it, one of the things is you feel irritated or angry and you have no patience and everything annoys you. But I think that's just my personality in general, which may have <laughs> masked it also. <laughs> I think that's life. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't until um, actually one of our Twitter friends, Monica, made some comment to me in January. And I was like, whoa. And she brought up more of the anxiety issue. Yeah. And then I had talked to another friend who had severe, severe postpartum depression. And I just Googled it and I started looking and I'm like, no, I didn't, I didn't have the depression part, but then I got to the postpartum anxiety and OCD and I was like, holy crap. Yeah. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And I just, but I never put any of it together. And, you know, my husband was like, you know, you need to talk to somebody. And I was just like, what? I don't, I, I looked at the, you know, the bullet points. That's, that's not my problem, but. um, So, so what is. Can you tell me what the difference is? I mean... Right. So depression is like you're overwhelmed. You feel guilty because you're not handling motherhood well. You don't feel bonded to your baby. Um, You don't feel anything really. You're empty. You're numb. You're really, really sad, um, hopeless. Um, You can't concentrate or focus. Let's see. What are some other things? I know. My oldest is 21. Do I have that? Right. (laughs) You know, maybe, let's see, what. Are, oh, you have thoughts of running away or taking too many pills or you know something's wrong, but... Wow. Um, you're, you're afraid you lost the old you forever kind of thing, um, which, which I didn't have. have. Let, hey, let's talk about, let's call a spade oh, a spade well, yeah. here. Anytime oh, you become a mother, the old you disappears with the positive pregnancy test. Come yeah. on, let, you know yeah. what I mean? Like Totally. And for anyone that struggles with anything fertility-wise or anything like that, the old you disappears like six months into trying to have a kid and being unable to. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. uh, my first husband and I tried for five years to to no avail. Like I did not think I could have kids. And then Carl and I tried for like a month and uh, Colton came. But, Super you know, Carl. Yeah. Right. Woo. Um, apparently we were doing it wrong the first time around. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but, you know, the old you disappears with all of those issues and, and that anxiety that comes, but it really disappears, you know, when that child pops out of you. Like right. there is no well, old you I think ever. No I longer think life is that mind. way. Yeah. yeah, but I think life is that way. I mean, when you get married, the old you disappears. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, there's just everything you do; it's constantly changing. And while it is hard, it's it's kind of what life is. Yeah, true, true. It's something that, and I think you know, fighting that change or not being able to a- a- adjust to that right. change, maybe is but. where the pro. Yeah, where where it feels different or or not yeah. right. Yeah. So, sorry, Karen, continue on. I just thought about that. I'm just like, I haven't felt the same since, you know, like, I I moved here and then got, was pregnant right away. And, you know, and so my entire existence has been thrown up. Like, Michigan Angie was super cool. Iowa Angie (laughs) is quite a bore. She sucks. (laughs) 
So, but sorry, continue on. Yep, um, some of that postpartum anxiety. Um, your thoughts are racing and you can't quiet your mind. You can't settle down and you can't relax. Yeah, I definitely had that. I yeah. wish I had this. You had to do something at all times like cleaning. That was the other thing about right. both of my pregnancies. I never got the nesting thing. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. still resent that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this says you're worried. You're really I worried missed that all the time. Yeah, and then that you may have disturbing thoughts, thoughts that you've never had before, scary thoughts. Mm-hmm. I used to drive like to go to my meetings, and like every thought would be, "Okay, what if that car right there crossed the median and hit me on oh, the yeah. up, you know, front right side?" And I spun around and I ended up in that field. You yeah, know, different things, <laughs> just weird things so, like that. As I'm driving, they're not weird. Yeah, it's it's no, totally it's, normal. So my question I mean, is: so we that. all talk about postpartum depression, but. But did anyone ever ask you if you had anxiety? I mean, there's no. obviously two two pieces to this. And, and so... And they're very you, different pieces. Right. Yeah. And so you were like, oh, no, I don't have any of these postpartum No, symptoms. because, I mean, you literally, when you go to the doctor after you fill out these forms, and then as you go take your do- your child to the pediatrician, you fill them out too. You know, how do you feel about this? Are you struck? You know, just all these things. And... And I, I, I answered him honestly, and I never had any of that. But none of them ever asked me how I felt driving to a meeting and about the car that was coming at yeah. me. <laughs> right. No, and and I did not put two and two real. together. Right. No. But that's real. And so no one's – we're all asking – everyone's asking about depression. But, but there is another – I don't want to say another side, but there's another aspect There's a whole other that, part of it. Yeah. yeah. That, that people aren't – yeah. See, and I know like – said- Go ahead, Jen. Sorry. No, just like you said, you know, no one asked you about that side. Yeah. So you just assumed you didn't have postpartum depression and that. Or that it was normal. Would, your new thought. That it was normal. Were, yeah. And that's, and I'm not saying it's not normal. I guess it, it's normal to experience weird things. And, it, and I guess ignoring it or assuming that you're not experiencing something that's out of line, you know, and, and I, I'm right there with you. So I, you know, I, with Colton. I just my, did not put two and two together. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, I'm just now embracing that side because with with Colton, for me, it was a very easy pregnancy. There's nothing wrong, nothing, you know, no problems whatsoever. I hate Um, you. I know. I'm sorry. Um, Other than I got really fat, I gained 75 pounds, like 25 of it was in the first trimester. They're like, your baby's the size of a pumpkin seed. I'm like, no, it's not. It's 25 pounds. Andy, I threw up so much, I lost 30 pounds with my first one. Karen, I still need to lose 30 pounds to get back to where I was before I got pregnant. But um, so and I got lucky because I had the the C-section. So I went in, I was in labor all the night before. I thought I was, but I wasn't sure because everyone's like, oh, you'll know it's labor. No, this felt like I'd ate really crappy Mexican. And so I was in labor all by myself all night long. and, And I remember sitting out in the living room and Carl came out at like three in the morning so he just noticed that I'd walked out because he's attentive, and I'd walked out at eleven thirty. Chris, Chris would have never noticed. And that's just that. it. I could have been. I'm like, I could have been dead in the kitchen, and you wouldn't have known. Like you'd have just been like, oh well, hmm, I wonder when that happened. And but I yeah, would have watched I was, you on Dateline. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so he came out at like three three thirty, and he's like, "Are you all right?" And I'm like, "No." And then I started to cry a little bit, and he's like, "Well, just let me know if you're ready to go." And he went back to bed. Um, of course, he did. Because that's, you know, but uh, so we left at like quarter to five. I was like, we should go in. And so we get there and they're like, do you want drugs? And I'm like, no, I'm going to do this natural. And uh, <laughs> and they're like, okay. Just know, a C-section say, natural is not the way to go. Right, exactly. And I'm like, I'm going to do this naturally. I'm like, unless you check me and tell me that I'm, you know, less than a three or whatever, because this really hurts. And uh, they're like, well, congratulations. You have you aren't even a one. Um, and so for anyone who hasn't had kids, I'm not even going to explain. You'll figure it out later. Um, and so they're like, go walk around. So I walked like two and a half miles and they had me come back, never moved. He had never dropped. So he was not doing the job. But every time I was having a contraction, his heartbeat was dropping. So Uh at like 730, they're like, do you, we can do one of two things. We can continue laboring, which I don't know why anyone would have agreed to that at that point in time, because it hurt. We can continue laboring um, or we can schedule a C-section. This was Memorial Day and we can have everyone come in and it can be scheduled and you can, you know, not be like Karen 
where it's an emergency and everyone's freaking out and you're, you know, so it was, it was nice. I said, okay, let's do it. Let's do it that way. So we did. Um, and, and at nine o'clock that morning, they wheeled me down and at nine sixteen he was born and, um, he came out and he never really cried. He just stuck his lip, his lower lip out. He has like the best <laughs> pout face. And, uh, same as you, Karen, you know, with a C-section, you don't get to spend, you know, I always pictured them like, okay, here's your baby putting him on your chest after the C-section or whatever. No, they, Carl brought him over behind the curtain for me and was like, here he is. And I was like, oh, he's so cute. I couldn't touch him because my arms were strapped down on both sides. Oh my God. They strap your arms. Yeah. Yeah, Cause you, you can't move, you know, and you can't move your legs or anything like that. So you can't. I and, needed strap uh, because I was screaming so much because I felt every cut. Oh no! You now, can feel see, the pressure, but you—I could not oh feel. Oh my god! They said you'd feel pressure, but I felt cutting. Yeah. Oh, so and then you talk to like nurses afterwards, and you know, not at the hospital, but like I, one of my farmers, his wife is a an OBG nurse, and she's like, "Oh my god, you felt it, didn't you?" I'm like, "How did I not know that was a thing?" Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, Sorry. that's terrible because I did not, but it was hard enough to lay there. But I was exhausted because I'd been up all night before. And yeah. so they put me on some pretty good drugs and I was just cool. You know, and I had like three doctors in there because it's a small town hospital and they all know each other. So they're all talking about like this souped up dirt bike that one of them has whose kids <laughs> are riding it. And so it felt like the most trippy experience ever. You know, after they lay you down, strap you down and you look up before they put the curtain up and I looked like this like beached whale that they were putting iodine. It was the, it was honestly the most thing ever. So, and then he pops out and they said, Oh, meconium present. So he had pooped in the womb Uh, and uh, that my oldest did that. Did she? Okay. So that freaks me out. But we, you know, later that afternoon, fast forward after an hour in the recovery room and I come in and, and uh, he had kind of struggled a little bit with keeping up temperature and keeping his sugar up because he, I was trying to breastfeed and it wasn't working. Fed is best. All new mothers out there don't struggle over breastfeeding. It's it's foolishness. Honestly, it's great, but fed is best. Um, And so we're struggling with breastfeeding. It's not working. And and uh, um, um, fast forward that night, eight o'clock, Carl goes home and I'm sitting there and the nurse says, we're going to take him to get him a bath and get him fed and, and we'll or get him a bath and we'll bring him back to you um when we're ready go to sleep you haven't slept all day you know i had people in and everything like that so i fall asleep and like 45 minutes later she pokes her head in and she goes okay just so you know his oxygen levels have have dropped and we're trying to get an iv in um you know do you want to come down right now or do you want to wait and he was six pounds 14 ounces so he was kind of tiny and this is a very, very small hospital. And I said, no, you know, come and get me once the IV is is in. Because I just couldn't stand the idea of coming down and watching them poke him. So an hour goes by. And finally, I just walk down. And I get down there and the doctor's like, we just called in the life flight. We're sending him to Des Moines. Ugh. And so... You know, and I'm by myself. Like, my parents live in Michigan. Carl's parents live in Wisconsin. Carl's at home sleeping. Um, So I call him, and I'm like, and I'm just trying to keep, like, the strong, everything's going to be okay sort of mentality. And, and uh, you know, I'd had a C-section, mind you, so I'm, like, walking up and down the hallway, um, and the doctor's like, you need to sit down. And I'm like, nope, can't. I I just couldn't at that time. And, and uh um, so the next day they life flighted him down. He got down there and, and, uh, um, got him stabilized and everything like that. The next day they discharged me and I spent the first week of his life in the NICU in Des Moines. So it was kind of like, uh, I call it like NICU. It was like boot camp, like baby boot camp kind of, or it felt like summer camp because at the Des Moines NICU, it was like this room that was like 10 by 15. You were by yourself. So and that's where I stayed. And I I bathed in the Ronald McDonald house, took a shower there. And and uh, that was attached to the hospital. Had to walk a mile and a half every day after my C-section to get a shower. And, you know, no one cared about my postpartum recovery. I was in like this weird mental spot then. Um, And then I really struggled with him sleeping by himself. I really struggled with ideas of him you know, I can remember thinking to myself, and it was the weirdest thing at the time, if we just make it to three months, I'm good. Because I was so petrified of SIDS. 
Um, you know, and, and there's some stuff that we still deal with diagnosis wise from, from the experience that he had, he's delayed, you know, physically, uh, gross motor wise and, and stuff like that. And so I still deal with that and and everything, but you know, Karen, you talking about postpartum anxiety, talking about postpartum anxiety, I didn't realize it until after the fact, you know, that I too, but I too dealt with a lot of stuff, you know, with, uh, like I said, he is just now starting to sleep in his own crib, but he's sleeping in our room still because I can't stand the idea of him not being near me. So I, and I, and I get that. I mean, yeah, they always say, you know, put a kid in his room and then they make you feel guilty. If you, you know, get up (laughs) with them or hold them when they cry. I'm like, do what makes you happy as a parent. Well, it's just it. And that's been my struggle with, uh, um, with him, I think is just the fear. Cause the whole first day he was down there, you know, and, and I think about the parents that spend months and I can't even a girl I work with, um, she had a 23 weeker and he just came home. He was born the end of last November and just was able to come home. I can't even wrap my mind around it because I've spent a week in the NICU and felt like I was scarred. So I can't even, you know, I feel like an asshole almost. And I think that's part of the problem is you feel bad, you feeling bad for feeling bad because someone else has had it harder. I don't know. Does that make sense? It kind of it does snowballs on itself. Um, and I think, I think, he, yeah. And, and I think what we all need to learn to do is that, I mean, some people do have it worse, but that doesn't minimize what you're going through. It doesn't exactly, Karen. It doesn't minimize what you're going through. What you dealt with. It's not your fault somebody has it worse. I'm going to make all those moms out there feel better because I have been, I've had my hand up in a cow, in a sow. I've delivered baby pigs and calves. But when my kid was born, I said, oh, wash it off before you bring it to me. (laughs) I said the same thing. Oh, I'm yeah. not even kidding. And I'm when like, the nurse oh, said, oh, don't put it on me. Oh. Yeah, don't. Nope. And, yeah. and when the nurse said, are you going to breastfeed? I said, nope. Give her a bottle. Yeah. Um, all three of my kids, uh, wash them off and they're not being breastfed. And that was just a decision I made. Yeah. Um, no. And there's nothing wrong with it. And I think now, I think social media has played a role in you feeling like there's a certain expectation of being a mom. Right. And, you know, if you don't meet that, then you've failed somehow. And then there's Prozac, also... And Prozac helps you be a mom. Right? Yeah. They I think do. so. Yeah. I um, would think, I would, you know, my husband was traveling a lot after our second one was born. And I just remember, like, I would drive to a meeting and outside of that car that was going to cross the median, I would think, oh my God, what if something happens to him and he doesn't come back? Where would we have his funeral? Oh my gosh, who would take care of this? Who would take care of that? Yeah. I'm like, who thinks about that stuff? Crazy people. I was crazy. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not to say it not being mean, but it was, you know, it was not normal for me to be thinking all those things. Well, and, and you were trying to talk trying, yourself out of it. And I wasn't basically. trying to end up on Dateline with taking out my husband. It just, those right. were the thoughts that were overwhelming me. And like, I would drive to Iowa City and I would cry the whole way there. Yeah. And that, you know, and that, so if you're experiencing that, anyone out there, listeners of ours, male or female you know what i mean like yeah you have to put two and two together yeah i had no idea and that's why for me i would try to explain it to my mom or to family members and they're just like that's how it is that's that's what life is now you know what i mean and and now i realize that wait maybe that's not the case you know, maybe there is something that I could seek out. And I I haven't necessarily, but, you know, opening up this conversation with people, you know, and knowing that there's nothing to be ashamed of has really helped for me kind of embracing my own level of, of what I have going on in, in my head. Well, and, you, know, you know, I think postpartum is kind of a, I don't, I, that, that may seem like it has to be limited to, you know, right after birth, but I honestly did not start coming out of it till my youngest was almost three. And maybe it's because the first 14 and a half months, I have no idea what was going on because I didn't sleep at all. But I mean, it can take a while to get, you know, past some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It takes, I think it takes a long time to get past some of it. I don't think, some of it, I wonder if you ever get past it. You You know know. what I mean? I think I'm finally at the point where the two of them can play, play with each other. And so that's less stressful for me than trying to run in two different directions with both of them while still working at home. 
Yeah. Yeah. See, my biggest struggle is working at home and, and husbands out there, um, you need to realize that no matter where your wife's working, if, if she's working a job and taking care of the bulk of the childhood duties and taking care of the bulk of the cleaning of the house and shit like that, don't mention that things are slightly cluttered ever if you want to survive or have a meal with your wife not crying sitting next to the table because she feels like a housekeeper. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot on people's plate. Like, there's a lot on the dude's plates, the dad's out there. You know, like, I know they're very, very busy, but the level of, of crap expected of mothers nowadays, I think, is beyond. Well, I think some of it we bring upon ourselves. <clears throat> Just for one, one example, um, after my horrid pregnancy and my terrible birth and whatnot, while I was recovering in the hospital, I answered my phone. Yeah. Yeah. I do not know why the hell I answered my phone. And yeah. well, one of them was just like, oh, I need this phone number. I'm like, well, and then he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, you wanted a phone number. I can do that. But there was another one who was completely, he doesn't work with us anymore. Thank goodness. But I mean, he just would not, it was in September and he wanted to go over every single weed control program he yeah. was going to use for the next year. My and struggle. I could not get him off the phone. And I was just like, yeah. you know what? The second one, I didn't answer the phone. I'm like, I don't care who it is. And most of them were completely gracious, but this one just rubbed me the wrong way. And I was just like, you know what? Yeah. I told Bye-bye. him I'm on drugs. So take that into consideration with these recommendations. And I mean, he went on for like 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did the same. I was in the NICU doing month end because I uh-huh. no one else could do it. So I was sitting, you know, with Colton while he was sleeping uh, you know, because for a while there, I couldn't pick him up anyway without them letting me because he had an IV and he had um, a feeding tube and stuff like that for the first few days. And uh, so I sat there with my laptop doing Mark to Market because he was born May 30th. So he was born the day before month end. And, and my CFO was like, I don't care when you get it to me, you know, but I need it. And it was either that or try to teach someone else how to do it. And, you know, had I thought about it, I'd have probably done it beforehand. But I went into this whole birthing thing thinking I was just going to walk in. I was going to be birthing my baby and I was going to walk back out the next day, you know, or or had we not ended up at the NICU, it had been perfect. They were going to hold me over until Thursday. Well, sweet. You know, I'm going to be here uh, recovering. It'll give me something to do. So I'm not bored because the nurses, you know, or he'll be chilling with me in this room and I'm just going to be hanging out. I, you know, this will work out perfectly. Well, no, we ended up in the NICU. And, and so that's where I sat. And then at the, the, of course, that was the, the big run up the markets, the markets rallied 50 cents while I was on my three weeks of maternity sabbatical. Well, you maybe know. you do need to get pregnant again. No, no. <laughs> we want a market rally. Angie. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, I'll just Twitter go get a be on you. Angie, get <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> Right. No the markets. Thank you. No, thank you. No, I, but that's what it was. So I was, and I think the same thing, Karen, I think not giving yourselves enough time to process all of the changes and all that's going on and thinking, you know, and, and we want to think that we can have it all. And sometimes I wonder if that's, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I struggle with that idea. And I think that's part personal, you know, part of maybe what continues to kind of feed into the anxiety that we struggle, that I struggle with is that there's no way to get it all done, but then you feel like a failure knowing that there's no way to get it all done. Yeah. My temper would get very short. Yeah. And then, was you know, it would be so many things in a row. And then finally, even if it was small, it would be the last thing that just kind of set me off. And and I would get to yeah. the point where and one of my friends um, kind of described it best. She said, you know, you have the kids all day. It's like you're getting pecked by little ducklings all day long. And then when yeah. my husband got home, I'm like, you have to take them and I need to go lay on the bed and watch TV and just not have to focus on anything right now for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was a lot. I mean, you know, because my job didn't change. Uh, you know, no. I still had all my job responsibilities. Plus, then I had two little kids, which was my choice, I know. But... I mean, yeah. when you make that choice, you have no idea what you're really getting into or how well it's going to go. Well, I mean, I never gen, expected I mean, emergency C-section, and I wish I would have read a little bit about C-sections before I had one. Yeah. 
Yeah. So. That's at least you were prepared. I did not. I read about hypnobirthing because I'm a hippie. Apparently, I thought that that's how it would be. You know what I mean? Like, I I went in with this pie in the sky, and I can remember people telling me, oh, you know, just be prepared for anything. Well, I am. You know, like SpongeBob when his no eyes are I have no idea what to be prepared for. Yeah. Mine, she was face down. I didn't even know what that meant. And she wouldn't flip yeah. over. Whereas, yeah. so she tried to stay in as long as she possibly could. And the second one, she was face down. Or is it face no, yeah. she, well, they were faced the wrong way, yeah. but she flipped at the last second and she couldn't wait to get out. She didn't wait for the doctors or anything. She flew out. So <laughs> she just flew right. Out. I could just picture like the doctor standing 10 feet away, catching her. Yeah. The you doctor know. like grabbed the, the drug guy and was like, you don't understand. This baby's coming now. <laughs> <laughs> and really, literally it was like two contractions, like two pushes oh, and it was geez. out. Which I deserved after the first one, I will say, but. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. And that's my other. I begged the doctor to get the four-wheeler and the winch and pull it out. (laughs) Karen, (laughs) you cracked me up. She had cattle. She knew exactly what I was talking about. (laughs) Right. Just pull it out. Just grab hold. Get the four-wheeler and winch and pull it out. Jen was back to planting beans like a day after her kids were born. (laughs) Uh, my like those women in china working in the rice paddies drop the baby and keep on going uh, kind of you know not sure why you didn't have it in the bean field jen and keep on going yeah well i'm surprised chris didn't make me (laughs) with the second one you know she was born at 4 30 in the morning we came from from the hospital at 2 30 oh my god you're super yeah i can't and i so i think that's the thing too is i you know not to to bash men this isn't that isn't my point but it's very easy when it's not you in that situation to assume that it's not a big deal. You know what I mean? And it's it's one of those things where it kind of cracks me up, that meme or whatever, where it's like, uh, during childbirth, a woman feels blah, 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 blah of pain. So she almost knows what it's like for a man to have a cold. That <laughs> cracks me up. Yes. You know, the so man like, cold. for any male listeners out there, like, when you get home tonight, make your wife dinner and unless you're a certain friend of ours who always makes dinner and in that case high five to his wife um but you know yeah make make her dinner do the dishes if you're not that busy in the field you know if you haven't been out breaking your neck in the the field doing because it's kind of slowing down for some of our row crop guys a little um i don't want to say you're not doing anything because i know you are but i will tell you what you are going to get a hell of a lot more brownie points making a quick dinner and doing the dishes and letting her go take a bath while you handle bedtime, then you will buying anything. Yeah. At least in my, you know, like, and that's, and if you, if you haven't told your wife how much you appreciate her for what she does, do that too. Cause that goes a long, 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 long way. You know, just, just recognition. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you're a great mom and you, we couldn't, live without you you know what i mean even if you're lying a little like <laughs> you know if if uh but seriously because and it's the same for wives too i mean tell your husband that he's appreciated i i think that that goes a long way too and i think in in relationships sometimes we forget about that part you know um i think but i definitely gets the brunt of all the other little things that happen during the day yeah yeah, it, or you forget you're just ticked off about something, and you forget that that person, your spouse, didn't have anything to do with that development of the day, you know. Um, and I have to say, like Rob's little conversation about he and Emily taking time to the two of them, really kind of sunk in for me too, because Carl and I have not since Colton was born, you know. It sunk like, in for me too, but I feel like we're finally maybe at a place where we can do that i mean i was really overprotective about who i would leave my kids with and i still am um you know everyone that we've left them with is either related or i may not have known them but i knew someone that they knew you know yeah and yeah so that's pretty much the opposite i'm the opposite opposite. i'm like you know pretty much my kids aren't even going to be kidnapped because 15 minutes with them and you'd be bringing them back so right They'd be coming back. And that's how I am. I mean, we're lucky. We've got Kaylee, our sitter. And so I finally have someone where I'm like, okay, 
you know, unfortunately, the Friday we were going to go, like, we're all excited. We're going to go on a mule date with our Kawasaki mule, not a, at, like, jackass mule. But, <laughs> That's a little weird there, you know, but whatever. We're going to go. The power goes out. And oh. so, like, that was a double whammy for me because I was almost through showering. So I had to rinse myself with a gallon jug of water. So let's pray to God that Colton does not remember that at all, because the look on his face was just as shocked as mine was. And we didn't want to leave, you know, like, so now we have to reschedule. But it's like, okay, when are we going to reschedule? Because we have this to come into here and we have this travel and we're going to here this time. And we're, you know, and but it it definitely has helped for us to put him in his crib and just kind of hang out and have a drink or something like that in the evening and and enjoy. And and so that's definitely part of it, too, is is, you know, there is nothing wrong with taking time to yourself and kind of helping, um, you know, just realizing what's going on. Ask yourself if if, you know, if you don't feel like um yourself. You know what I mean? Like, do you feel like you're always kind of in a rut or something like that? You know, there's nothing wrong with talking to someone else and being like, hey, is this, you know, have you experienced anything like this or talking to a doctor or, you know, anything like that? Like, it's just one of those things that I definitely enjoy having this conversation open because I don't think people um, would think or don't want to think about that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong in that, but what are you guys? I think you said it earlier, you know, you got to own what's in your head and you, and be honest with yourself. I I always say I own my crazy. I I can't help it. It's who I am. I take Prozac for it and I'm still crazy. So it's okay. Everyone's different. It's okay. Talk to somebody. Own it. Be there. And be there for other people too. You know, like don't. Totally. If someone comes to you and, and expresses their concerns, you know, first of all, let them speak those concerns. Let them get it out. You know, sometimes even just getting it out um, is is worth a million dollars. You know, and if Chris, you... Chris says that all the time. He's like, I just... I, he's like, I don't expect you to have the answer. I just need to talk. Yeah. I need to say it. I need um, to hear it out loud. I need to hear myself say it. Yeah, he's highly, he, oh, he's, he's like always walking a tightrope with stress. And I'm like, you know, I always say, be careful when you leave. And if he's gone too long, sometimes I freak out and call him and be like, you are coming home, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't hear from my husband. I like, I check his social media to see if he's been on there. And then I send him texts asking if he's in alive or dead in a ditch somewhere. Right, exactly. I mean, and one of these days I'm going to be like, when he doesn't answer and he might be dead in a ditch, I'll be like, okay, that was probably tacky, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, then they're going to sit you but, down. Chris Hansen's right, going to come from the line and yes, be like, Jen. Have you taken your Prozac? Yeah. <laughs> but, that's we think you but, may have you know, I, I mean, I do. I say, you know, you are coming home, right? And he always goes, yes, Jen, I'm coming home. I'm like, well, I just, you know, want to know. <laughs> My big thing is, Carl, don't leave me. You can't leave me here. Like, and that's, that was the other thing is that we found out, you know, Colton, it was the end of October last year. So Colton was five months and Carl had a a positive on a stress test, like that he needed to go in and get a heart cath done. And we went in and they're like, oh no, nothing's wrong. We figure it's just a false positive, but we want to double check to be sure, blah, blah, blah. They got in and his, his, the Widowmaker artery was over 90% blocked for two inches. The wow. doctor told him he wouldn't have made it to Christmas. Oh, my God. Isn't and, that scary? Oh, God. You know, so you start to think about that, where it's like, what if he would have had a heart attack? Because out where we live, there's no ambulance. You know, if if you had something dire happen out here, you'd pretty much be screwed by the time anyone got to you. You know what I mean? And and so that adds on to the whole other level of stress is it's like, you know, I and for the longest More time, I was to like, worry about. Yeah, I was like, we need to move into town. And I still kind of think about that. But then we have like this weekend when everyone's complaining about their neighbors shooting off fireworks. And I'm like, "Mm, we didn't have that at all. You know, where you're like, I love living out in the middle of nowhere. But as still a big part of me is like, we need to be in town. I want an ambulance response time, you know, not be 45 minutes or whatever. I mean, there's there's with the when our neighbor's barn burnt down, it, it took them over a half hour to get the fire department out there. 
Like, it freaks me out. Yeah. And so that adds the anxiety. I'm already anxious anyway. And then I start to think about fire response time. And then I really get freaked out. But I blame it on a TV show in the 80s where the house caught on fire. And after that, I was petrified of fire for a very long time. So I've never been right. I'm kind of (laughs) high strung. But you own your crazy. I do. I'm a hot mess, you know. And yes, my house is is, you know, I put paper that I need to keep on a pile in the counter, like on the counter, and it drives my husband nuts, and he brings it up at the wrong time, but I didn't kill him, so. Well, I just found a uh, no-bake cookie, I think was the snack from maybe two podcasts ago, so. Did you eat it? I didn't eat it. No, you know, it's a little crunchy. (laughs) Is it? She's a little dry. A little dry. A little dry. I have to get (laughs) some milk. Do you have anything you want to add to you guys have either one of you? I mean, just, just going to mention, you know, husbands, if you see your wives struggling with anything like this, just, you know, mention it and keep mentioning it and don't give up and, you know, don't give up on them and don't give up on trying to yeah. get them help. So, yeah, I agree. I think so, too. Like that's and wives, if you see your husband struggling, you know, and if you don't feel like you can bring it up. You know, someone along the line, you you need to be able to, to you know, communicate with someone and, and uh, you know, just open that line of communication, even if, if you feel it's an awkward type of conversation. It, it, you know, even if they react harshly or wrong at that point in time and, and tell you you're the one that's crazy, you know, eventually, hopefully, you know, having that door open, they'll they'll turn to someone that they can talk to and, and seek the help that they need. And and it's not, you know, not everyone has to be um, life alteringly diagnosed with something there. You can, you know, have bouts of, of blues and bouts of this and bouts of that. But, you know, being able to kind of seek out and, and try to turn the corner when you're heading down that path is is definitely very important. And, you know, like we said before, you know, our door is always open, um, figuratively, not literally, because as I posted on Facebook Live this morning, no one wants to see that in person. That's just. <laughs> and I'm not sharing my Prozac. Yeah. 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 I'm not sharing. I will share my Pez. <laughs> that's well, nice of you. The lemon ones. The lemon ones. Ew. That tastes like Pledge. Yeah. I don't know, because I don't eat them. So <laughs> I have plenty of lemon Pez. <laughs> all right you guys anything else you want to add see you next week nope, i'm good all right well like we said if our door's always open come to us if you need anything and as always if you want to chat about uh stuff um you know hit us up on twitter facebook something like that and you know as always thanks for listening we'll be back next week <laughs>